I was born in Toronto, Canada, and raised just outside the city. It is where I spent my formative years, as they say. It is also where I currently live, though I spent most of my adult life living in the USA, San Francisco to be exact, where I lived from 1996 until 2015. Legally, I am an American and a Canadian. Well, actually, I have three passports, so I'm sort of an international man of mystery. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. It says your name, Danger Powers. No, 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 no. Danger's my middle name. But though my DNA is actually American, Czech, and I don't know, who knows what else as I've yet to send 23andMe a blood sample, in my heart, I am definitely a Canadian, first and foremost. Now, there are people, places, and things that are uniquely Canadian, that only we really understand, and I think every country has those. But I think some of those things are more easily understood by others because we can relate them to something we do understand. Follow the unknown with something more familiar. For example, I can look at how high school football in Texas is like a religion, or how passionate people in Dortmund are about BVB, and I can sort of understand it. Because although it is unique to those places in the world, I can relate it to how Canadians are about, say, hockey. I mean, I remember how our whole country shut down at 12.15 p.m. on a Sunday when Canada played the USA for the gold medal at the 2010 Winter Olympics. Punched along to Jerome McGinley. Crosby scores! It's over! The gold medal to Canada! Man, that still feels good almost eight years later. Hey, did you know that Canada's Olympic Broadcast Media Consortium claims that 22 million people or two-thirds of the Canadian population were watching that hockey game when Sidney Crosby scored in overtime? But I digress, eh? Okay, Brett, now I know that you're proud to be Canadian and all, but are we just going to be doing a show about Canada? Is this because of the anniversary you guys are having? You're like 50 years old or something? 150, Nick. It's our sesquicentennial. Your Sasquatch centennial? Are you celebrating Bigfoot's birthday? <laughs> no, not Sasquatch, Nick. Sesquicentennial. It means oh. 150th that's anniversary. That's interesting. But anyway, that's not even why I'm talking about Canada. All right, then why are we doing this, Brett? Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Look, can I just ask you and the listeners to give me some leeway here and trust that it'll be worth it? Because there is a reason, Nick, but it's it's more of a story than just one sentence. Okay, well, I do appreciate a good story. If that's the way it is, <laughs> proceed. Did you hear what I did there? Because <laughs> the Celine, <laughs> that's the way it is? She's Canadian, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, we saw. Uh, I wonder if people realize how much of their life is Canadian. I mean... Use a zipper lately? Watch a sports instant replay? Turn on a light bulb? Use a garbage bag? Thank you, Canada. And that doesn't even touch entertainment. Jim Carrey, Neil Young, Sarah McLaughlin, The Weeknd, John Candy, Nathan Fillion, Ellen Page, Drake, Keanu Reeves, Samantha Bee, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling's abs, Bojack Horseman. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Bojack Horseman's from Canada? <sighs> well, that was another in a long series of regrettable life choices. Okay, well, technically the guy who voices Bojack Horseman is from Canada. Oh, that's I didn't know that. That's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Close enough, right? Yeah. So now while Canada has clearly given much to the world, there are also things we keep to ourselves. Or maybe we don't 
keep them so much as they just end up being mostly ours. So as I asked earlier, bear with me. I have a story to share with you. And I promise we're not spitting from a bridge just to see how far down it really is. Okay, did you guys get the Celine Dion reference? Like, because that's the way it is? I just want to make sure before we go to the theme. <laughs> just so we're clear. Okay. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, we are getting tragically hip and sharing a story with you that is a bit of a Rorschach test, plus a WTS bumps, and listen closely because we have a contest announcement after the show. My name is Brett Gaida. Jamapel Nick Jaworski. Ah, just like being on an Air Canada flight. Let's start the show. As I was saying in the opening, there are things about Canada that are much harder, actually impossible to understand unless you've spent a significant portion of your life living here. And one of those things, maybe the most unique, is what a band called the Tragically Hip means to us. Trying to explain the hip to someone who hasn't grown up with them is like, Trying to explain the love for your child to someone who is not a parent, or the feeling of a first kiss to someone who's never had one. Oh, okay. Well, I get it. So we're talking Canada, right, Brett? So it's kind of like trying to explain to someone outside of Canada why on earth you would put cheese curds and gravy on french fries. Gypsy, whip up a quick poutine. You're taking over Canada. Whip up a what? Uh... Sure, Nick. (laughs) So back to what I was saying. How do I explain this? I mean, how do I put it into words? Well, first off, understanding aside, if you've never lived in Canada, it is likely that you've not even heard of the Tragically Hip. But here, in my home country, the Tragically Hip are not just a rock band. They are woven into Canada's national identity. And Gord Downie, their lead singer, is not just a frontman. He has been called our unofficial poet laureate. In a recent New York Times article, Simon Vozick Levinson wrote, the place of honor that Mr. Downey occupies in Canada's national imagination has no parallel in the United States. Imagine Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, and Michael Stipe combined into one sensitive, oblique poet philosopher, and you're getting close. The thing is, I don't even think that is getting close. For those listeners unfamiliar with The Tragically Hip, here's a little primer for you. The Tragically Hip were formed in Kingston, Ontario in 1984, while its four founding members were still in high school. In 1986, those founding members, lead vocalist Gord Downey, guitarist Rob Baker, bassist Gord Sinclair, and drummer Johnny Fay, were joined by second guitarist Paul Langlois, and those five members have been The Tragically Hip ever since, for 31 years during which they have released 13 studio albums, one live album, one EP, and 58 singles. Now, as incredible a run as that is, statistics do not tell the story of the Tragically Hip. 
The story of the tragically hip is in the relationship it has with millions of Canadians. And this relationship was not forged by a marketing team or through social media even. As reporter Vinay Menon wrote in the Toronto Star, it happened at bonfires and skating rinks, at campfires and campuses. It happened during first loves and final exams, birthdays and weddings and breakups. It happened with old friends and new beginnings. They grew up with the hip and they grew up with us. They are our band and we are their fans. They're they're just a piece of where we're from. There'll never be another band like that. Canada's favorite barbecue band, garage band, house band, club band, rock band, arena band, and outdoor festival band. It just wasn't a good weekend if we didn't have some hip playing on top. Across Canada, there are literally tens of millions of stories from fans on how the tragically hip have been a part of their life. My friend Josh in Calgary is one of those fans. I mean, I could sing them backwards. You know, I'm pretty much any, you know, anybody can, you know, ahead by a century and, and, you know, scared and, and fully, com- like how many times, every single time I hear fully completely, it's at like 11, you know, I, I, you know, and I'm just singing it at the top of my lungs, you know, bring me back in shackles. And Josh's appreciation for the band and its music is deep and earned. In 2006, he got his 50 mission cap, meaning he saw the hip live in concert for the 50th time. I'm sure he knows the lyrics to every Tragically Hip song out there, and he's likely listened to more hours of hip bootlegs than most of us have listened to hip studio albums. When when you have uh, songs that you're personally connected with because you've seen them live, you know, you've seen them with... You're surrounded with people that want to be part of that with you, you know, like the group of friends that you would go with or that you would meet. And then when you chuck on little bones, you know, you can always remember, oh, yeah, I did that or, oh, yeah, man, they played this at this show or, you know. Each of our connections to the hip is so unique as our music can be so many things. Each song is like a Rorschach test that can mean whatever we want it to mean or need it to mean. It's so hard to quantify that, and 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 I say that because, as I said earlier, I mean it depends on what kind of mood you're in, man. If you want to be reflective on 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 certain situations, then you put something in that that's you know okay, like scared, you know, or or, or weaking. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint that because each song has got a specific meaning behind it, right? I mean, if you want to balls out rocker what do you, do you go to uh do you go to uh little bones or god even let's fast forward right up to man machine you know that album i mean you throw on what blue you know that song the new one man it's just like it's so so it's difficult to 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 pinpoint i mean i wouldn't know how to quantify that you know because it's it's so deep it's meaningless you know yeah, I got to plug in, man. My phone's dying. Hey, man. Yeah, no worries. It's all the intangibles, man. It's, 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 yeah, it's when you get up together and there's a group party and all of a sudden Dez is throwing down the guitar and, and then, uh, you know, and Cliffy's throwing down the guitar or whoever, you know, Jamie's kicking it on keyboards, you know, and then I'm jamming with the harmonicas. It's f***ing an amazing time, man. And then these, because we've listened to the music so much, you know, it just comes natural just to start singing it, you know? And 
and that takes you back to a good place too and that's what makes it even better you know because everybody relates to it and and you know that's a magical thing violins and tambourines and this is what we think they mean it's hard to say it's sad but true kind of dumb so you consider that who the hip are to others is a reflection of who the tragically hip are to each other and that it's more than just music now here is another canadian icon sportscaster ron mclean speaking about the band they were a hockey team they split the revenues uh, all the royalties evenly they really propped up their Gretzky. Gord was their Gretzky, and they were not jealous. They were supportive, uh, and you know, he, he dealt with the audience. He was the showman, uh, and they were the engine. Uh, it was a great hockey team, so great band, but they played it like uh, Harry and would have loved. It's like George Pierre Seurat's famous painting, A Sunday at La Grande Jatte. At first glance, it seems to be a warm, colorful portrait of people enjoying a sunny day in a park. But a closer look reveals that this painting, this scene, is made up of millions of tiny dots of paint. In this case, the painting is called What Does the Tragically Hip Mean to Canada? And looking from afar, the picture is glazed with our feelings and framed with historical significance. We each feel the totality of the band, the music, our memories, and the country. But as we take a few steps forward, toward the painting, we see the stories they told of Canada's history. We see the memories in our lives where hip music was playing. We take another step, and there is the music itself the lyrics, and even the individual words. We move in closer, and we see the boys in the band. Closer still, and within each of them, we see their values, beliefs, character, and actions. As award-winning author and friend of the band, Joseph Boyden wrote, to a man, the hip are not just musicians. Some are environmentalists, others activists, some politically involved, all of them humanitarians. They are engaged and inquisitive citizens. This is why they have remained not just so relevant, but so creative for so many decades. I think it's who they are as people that resonates underneath everything. You know, <laughs> we are jamming out to little bones. Or getting deep in thought to scared. I could make you scared. Of contemplating Canadiana, listening to Wheat Kings. And we think it's all about the music. But what if the current underneath is who each member of the band is as a human being, and who we are reflected back through them? As musician Dave Bedini wrote, before the tragically hip, we were a huge country made huger because of the hole in it. 
which is where our identity was supposed to be. But their music gave us the crayons needed to draw our image. That is a big statement. And one I imagine the band would dismiss, laugh at, or humbly deny. But I am not so sure it is an exaggeration. The Tragically Hip have helped us as Canadians to understand who we are. And it'd be a beautiful thing to see that beautiful thing continuing. Hey Explorers, this is Nick and this is WTS Bumps and this is a part of the show where we promote a project, mission, business, something that our listeners are passionate about because we want to help you make a bigger dent in the world. And this week we are staying with our theme here about Canada. We've got listener Kevin Olds in Toronto who just recently launched Willful. Hi guys, my name is Kevin Olds. I'm the founder and CEO of Willful and we're an online will platform and we're trying to make it easy and affordable for Canadians to create a legal will online at home. I had personal experience with myself and family members who have passed away uh, tragically and there came the time when we had to deal with it and there wasn't a great plan in place and that was pretty terrible to go through with our family and then uh, I kind of realized I did, oh, this is a while ago, I didn't have my own plan in place and it kind of freaked me out uh, after a, a seven day stint in the hospital. And I started talking to a lot of other people and I realized that there's a, a huge a huge gap um, when it comes to people having a will and being prepared and 56% of Canadian adults don't have a will. And that's really what we're trying to change. And uh, our software makes it available because we've taken the, the legal work out of it. We've hired lawyers to create all the content and we've built a beautiful, easy to use site. And now people can, you know, they, they can get that plan in place and, and have peace of mind for themselves at a fraction of the price of a, a traditional lawyer. All right. So again, that is willful.co. If you live in Canada, check it out. We have to support our Canadian Where There's Smoke listeners. And on average, we're told people are getting wills handled in about 20 minutes. And if you don't live in Canada, you should probably consider other options to make sure that you have a plan in place for your estate and all of your final wishes after you pass. If you don't, odds are that your kids will blow all of your hard-earned money within a week of turning 18, someone undeserving will end up with your favorite guitar, and who knows what kind of terrible food they'll serve at your wake. You've been warned. Thanks. For many, the Tragically Hip have been like a buddy that's there for whatever you need. Whether it's a shoulder to cry on, someone to listen to you, someone to go get blasted with, or to contemplate life with you by the campfire. No matter what you need, they're there for you. They've been there for you. Good morning. Uh, my name is James Perry, and I'm the head of the Division of Neurology here at Sunnybrook Hospital. I want to thank you for your attention and your concern. And that is part of what made this news back on May 24th, 2016, so devastating. 
And it's my difficult duty today to tell you that Gord Downey's brain tumor is incurable. He is a primary brain With this tumor. news, this a nation's heart sank. The fleeting nature of life on display. But the tragically hip? Gord Downey? I mean, weren't they immortal? For me, I found myself thinking that cancer had once again come to take a part of Canada's soul, just as it had 35 years earlier with Terry Fox. But just like with Terry, there was still a lot of story to be written. And as devastated as many of us were, this tragedy also had the potential to bring us together. Within the same message on their website announcing Gord's terminal brain cancer, the band announced that they would do another tour that summer. A tour that would likely be their last. What most of us did not realize at the time, but realize now, was what it took for this tour to happen. By the time we heard the news of Gord's diagnosis, he had already had two brain surgeries and gone through weeks of radiation and chemotherapy. As a result of this, a man who was once known for his ability to retain seas of information could not even remember the lyrics to his own songs. Imagine, how could you do it? How could you even try? You know, he couldn't give you one name of an album or a song or anything, or, you know, let alone the lyrics. I did not think there was any chance in hell that we were going to make it to the tour. There can be a disconnect between what the person um, sees, so their insight into their deficits and nature of disease, and what others see. Um, Gord was a pro, and he was really confident that he could do this. But I could see, you know, I could see other band members not so confident. So that first rehearsal, I'm not sure what to expect. And it's like, oh, wow. Because I actually couldn't remember a damn thing. Uh, I think I started to cry. The documentary Long Time Running debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival in September 2017, more than a year after the tour was done. It traced the process the hip went through prior to and during the tour. The Tragically Hip decided to play music from all 13 of their studio albums on the Man Machine Poem Tour. In order to make this tour happen, Gord Downey had to relearn 70 songs from his own catalog of music and learn a whole new way to be on stage. The stage was equipped with six monitors and he had to grab each line in a song as they happened. And that doesn't even address the physical and emotional exhaustion he was working through. We've been doing this for 30 years and never rehearsed for a tour. Uh, this time around was completely different. We would go take a break, and he would get on his bike, he'd get his feet moving, he'd do some stretches. Um, he would keep working on it, and he wouldn't take a break. 
He worked and worked and worked. There were days where I thought, this is, we've got a long way to go. But he had this fire within him and he had this goal in his mind and he was driven and he knew what he needed to get done somehow. Cancer is a parasite. And perhaps this parasite inside Gord Downey's brain believed it had taken down its host. But in this case, the appearance of conquest meets the appearance of force. And that force was the will and work ethic of Gord Downey. And so armed with will and determination, and grace too, the tragically hit made it to Victoria, B.C., where on July 22, 2016, they kicked off the Man Machine Poem Tour. There is a scene in Long Time Running, about 24 minutes into the movie, when the hip hit the stage for this first show. I've watched this documentary several times in the past week, and each time this scene happens, a wave of emotion hits and tears. But, but they are not of sadness. They're, there is a smirk. They are tears of joy, pride, giddiness that, that Gore did it, that the hip did it, that everyone involved made it happen. That he got on that stage, and as Gord puts it, My bandmates and everybody around me did uh, help me get onto my knees and then onto my feet, and then, and then, and then, and then, people, we are. They shot a movie once in our hometown. From here, the band went on to play 15 shows in 11 cities over the next 30 days. And not only did they make it through, but they got stronger as they went. And we, Canadians and Tragically Hip fans, came out in droves to celebrate and thank the hip. And it was all culminated in a show on August 20th 2016 in front of their hometown of Kingston, which was broadcast live and commercial-free across the country. million Canadians, one-third of the country, tuned in to watch and listen, to celebrate and pay tribute. It is the second most watched broadcast ever in Canada. Second only to... Crosby scores! It's over! And so one could think, that's Canada. Hockey and the hip. And maybe donuts. But there's more to this story. We lost one of the very best of us this morning. Uh, Gord was my friend, but Gord was everyone's friend. It's who we were. Our buddy Gord, who 
loved this country with everything he had, and not just loved it in a nebulous, oh, I love Canada way. He loved every hidden corner, every story, every aspect of this country that he celebrated his whole life. That is the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, on the day of Gord Downey's death, October 17th, 2017. One year, four months, and 23 days after we became aware of his diagnosis. We are less as a country without Gord Downey in it. Uh, and it, and we all knew it was coming, but we hoped it wasn't. And uh, I thought I was going to make it through this, but I'm not. It hurts. And yes, we knew it was coming, and we didn't want to think about it. But that was not the case for Gord himself. He also knew it was coming and didn't waste the opportunity. As he sang to us all, there is no dress rehearsal. This is our life. Here's Gord speaking with Peter Mansbridge in an interview that aired just a couple of months after that final hip show in Kingston. Are you resigned to the direction this is heading? I am resigned to the direction this is heading, yes. I am. I really am. And because uh, I can see it um, and feel it doing some, not doing some good, but it's creating, or, I mean, it's creating something. And um, an opportunity. An opportunity, I guess. And they just don't come around too often. And, um, does that make it easier to deal with what you're going through? Yes, for sure. Musician and friend of Gord, Dave Bedini, maybe said it best when he wrote, Gord threw himself at time, fate, and the universe. He gave everything he had to this world, and he kept on giving until he could not. With the time Gord had left, he seemed focused on two missions, at least publicly. One, say thank you and goodbye to everyone who cared. And man, it, it felt like he did that. I was at the final show in Toronto. I... I felt him as he walked the perimeter of the stage at the end of the show, blowing kisses, saying thank you, and seemingly looking each one of us in the eyes. Good night, everybody. I'll see you down the road somewhere, is that right? And the other mission? Reconciliation. Bridging the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Canadians, shining a light on Canada's history with First Nations and willing in us a belief that we could truly be one nation, so much better than we are. See, the thing about Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip is that while they loved Canada, they did not give it a pass. As Andrea Warner wrote for CBC Music, by holding Canada accountable, 
The hip has modeled how to best love a country by demanding that country be better. I mentioned it a lot in lyrics. Is that sort of what you're getting? Yeah. Mm. But never, never, and I don't say this to my pride, but never nice. Never totally like, aren't we the best? Never. Because, uh, and I, you know, I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, but as a kid growing up, like, what is it about this country that isn't, it's not a country, what is it? Can't tell. You know, we got to figure out a way to really help out these, our friends up north, you know? And I'm not like putting it all on my death, but it's put me in a position where I can actually um, get some attention. And so now we have the chance to build something that will allow us down here and them up there to become, to realize that makes us a country. That's 150, well, the last 150 years aren't as much worth celebrating as we think. But uh, the new 150 years can be a year of building an actual nation, you know, with, like imagine if they were part of us and we them, like how incredibly cool it would make us. You know, and that's what's missing as we celebrate donuts and hockey over and over and over and over again. With so many countries in the world divided, Gord looked to us and said, we can be better. We can unite. We've come too far to be feeling like this. There's got to be more than just to despair. You know, my friend Josh said something near the end of our conversation. When he was rambling in at shows, so then you start looking and you start looking for old tapes. People would tape it, you know, or you get the recordings and then you listen to it about 50, 60 times. And then he understood exactly what he was saying in the middle of New Orleans, you know, breaking in a nautical disaster. But like every single album, and stuff, he would start singing about what was on the new album in the middle of the old stuff to bring it to the new stuff before they recorded. You know, so when you hear those snippets, these guys were always on, man. You know, and they were always thinking and they were always farther ahead than than anybody really was because they were always practicing what was next. You know, and that's, that's something that's, uh, that'll be missed. I think, and that's probably why he was so, or they, the hip, like let alone Paul's guitar playing, you know, Johnny's solid drumming, uh, you know, Sinclair with the bass is always kicking it, you know, Robbie Baker's guitar is just sublime, you know, totally underrated, and then you got that guy up front that he was always working on his craft, man, I mean, he, he never stopped. All of that combined made them into what they are, I think, man. And, and, and that's, that's the fabric in the society that we're going to be missing most. Because now we don't have what's next. At the risk of sounding like a WNBA commercial. Oh, a Canadian? Also invented basketball, by the way. Brett, hey, focus. Oh, uh, right. Um, so at the risk of sounding like a WNBA commercial, what if 
we got next? What if Gord was putting the future in our hands? I mean, he was, right? He said it from the stage during the Tragically Hip's final show. And we gotta be a country, it's gonna take us a hundred years to figure out what the hell went on up there. But it isn't cool, and everybody knows that. It's really, really bad. But we're gonna figure it out. You're gonna figure it out. You're going to figure it out. That is us. You see, this really isn't a story about Canada. It is a story about Canadians, which means it is a story about people. And the message from Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip has never been that Canada is great. It has been that we are great, and in turn, we must demand greatness from Canada or from wherever you reside. A country is also like a Seurat painting. From a distance, you see a country. But when you step closer, you realize that we are the dots. We make up the picture. I guess this episode is kind of like a hip song in that it too is like a Rorschach test. You get to decide what it means to you, what you take from it. Now, in this case, for me, I am talking specifically about a nation above the 49th parallel north and cut in half at the 100th meridian where the Great Plains began. But wherever you live, I'll suggest it is no different. And maybe, even though the tragically hip were mostly our secret, Gord's message is for you too. And whatever you decide that message is, I'll at least suggest that you embrace it fully and completely. Just like Gord would.
Hey everyone, a few things I want to share at the tail end of the show. If you know any Canadians or people who are Tragically Hip fans, would you please share this show with them? I put my heart and soul into it. I hope it honors Gord's legacy and all the band has given to us, and I would really love for more people to hear it. Also, we're having a contest. Uh, we're going to be giving away $250 in prizes in cash, so if you are a Tragically Hip fan, Listen up, and again, if you know any hip fans, well, here's another reason to pass it on. I weaved into this episode song lyrics from 12 Tragically Hip songs. Now, hint, 11 were spoken by me, one was spoken by Josh. The question is, what are the 12 songs and what are the lyrics? Now, we're going to be giving away five different prizes to the top answers. Email us at connect at where there's smoke.co or private message us through Facebook, Twitter with your answers. The winner gets their choice of five Tragically Hip albums on vinyl or $150 in cash. Up to you. And if you don't find all 12, that's okay. Okay, Send us which ones you do find because the top five closest answers are all going to win a prize and the person who is most accurate in naming the 12 songs and lyrics is going to get that grand prize of either five Tragically Hip albums on vinyl or $150 in cash. It was a super fun challenge for me to actually weave the lyrics into the show. And now it's your turn to have some fun finding them. So if you're not a hip fan, that's okay. Go find a hip fan. Just track down a Canadian. Share this show and ask them if they'll split the winnings with you. Canadians are nice. They, they probably will. We're going to run the contest through the month of November. Uh, so until November 30th. And then we're going to announce all five winners on our December 5th episode. So good luck to everyone. Also, I highly recommend checking out the documentary Long Time Running, which we reference and use clips from in this episode. It is a powerful look into a unique moment in history and really shows us the power of music to bring us together and lift us up. And as it happens, Netflix picked up the documentary and it debuts internationally on the streaming service on November 12th. So uh, note that on your calendar and check out Long Time Running. Also, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at wherethersmoke.co. Next week's newsletter will contain links to references used in this show, as well as some other great stuff that didn't make it into the show, but I think you'll really enjoy. Good day. Welcome to the Great White Credits. I'm Brett Gaida. That's my alter ego, Doug. How's it going, eh? Okay, our first topic today is shout-outs. Big thanks to Matthew Schuler for continuing to bump the show with love on his Twitter feed. And to all those who liked or retweeted Matthew's tweets and are listening right now, welcome. Also, thanks to longtime listeners Sam Schleich, Brennan Hufford, Kristen May, Jai Kumar, at SapphireJ24, and Radio Public. On Facebook, thanks for the Halloween post, Ron Yamada. And to everyone who shared GIFs or GIFs of movies you've watched more than five times and still love, we appreciate it. Our explorers seem to like the GIF GIFs, and we've made note of that. We got a new review from Jochi in Canada, whose iTunes name appears to be a portmanteau of Joni and Chachi. Anyway, Jochi is feeling enlightened and connected after going on 
a WTS binge fest. If you've yet to write a review of the show on iTunes, please consider doing that. Those reviews really help our exposure on iTunes and help us attract new listeners. On that note, the biggest thing you can do to help this mission wrapped in a podcast is to share the show. Did anyone come to mind while listening to this episode? If so, text or email them right now. Or tweet about the show. Post on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Tumblr, Reddit, Friendster, MySpace, AOL chat rooms. They all help. Okay, maybe not all of them. Where there's smoke is blown at high dough, unplucked, locked in the trunk of a car, possessed by the human mind, so hard done by, written and produced at the lonely end of the rink by me, Brett Gaida, and Nick Jaworski, along with our kick-ass and 33% Canadian team of Dylan Davis, Kristen McMullen, and Teresa Ward. When I'm not telling audio stories about Canada, I'm a keynote speaker and I work with teams around culture and communication. If you're interested in either, email me at brett at wherethersmoke.co. And if you have a podcast or you want to make one and you want it to sound awesome, look up Nick at podcastmonster.com. Our podcast cover was designed by Sam Goff with the season four remix by Ricky Rowe at Alchemist Creative. The WTS theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by our very own Nick Jaworski. Speaking of music, speaking of Nick, Nick, what other artists were featured in this show. Besides all of that tragically hip stuff, we have Blue Dot Sessions, Scott Gratton, Eric Satie, Lee Rosevere, and Kevin McLeod. And finally, we leave you with this public service announcement about Canada. Canada is the second largest landmass, the first nation of hockey, and the best part of North America. My name is Joe, and I am Canadian. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time.